Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I want to just begin with um, where we sort of where we started last week or where we were. Last week we were talking about, again, uh, Gideon, and we saw the story. It's in the book of Judges in chapter 6. We saw the story there begins with God bringing his people to repentance. So what's been going on is there have been a lot of difficulties in the land. They're having a lot of troubles. And the reason why they're having these troubles is because God's protection has lifted off of them because of their sin. And we saw they didn't even realize that's why they were having the troubles, which is such an interesting thing. God allowed them to go through difficult times because of their sin, but they did not even know that's why the difficult times were there. And I have to think maybe we should consider that in America because when troubled times come, we normally like to point fingers at people, and sometimes we can do that. But beyond that, ultimately, ultimately, we need to look at ourselves. We need to look at where we are. We need to look where the church is. And we need to be able to wonder and, and consider, is God somehow involved? Uh, or is there, has there been a covering removed? Is there something spiritual going on here? Anyway, that was happening in their day. They didn't even realize it. Then a prophet comes and says, um, you know, they started crying out, God help us. A prophet comes and he goes, wait a minute. The reason why you're having these problems is because you left God. You started doing your own thing, living your own way. And what needs to happen is you need to come back to God. Okay, so we saw also last week that that evidently began to happen. The reason why we know that is because it's the pattern in the scriptures. And because God says, if these kind of things happen, if the nation will turn back to God... I will hear your prayers and I will bring healing and restoration. Does that mean every single individual turn back to God? No. How do we know how many need to turn back to God? I don't know that question. All I know is, in general, the people of God, the, the main thing there needs to be they've come back to the Lord. And I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to a time when, when the church, the church, will be highlighted by a people who love the Lord. That when you go to church, the fire of God is there. The love of God is there. People are, are praising with such intensity. We pray and we're all into the prayers. We're giving testimonies and everybody's sharing. Everybody's sharing the word that they've been getting through the week. They're sharing a dream that they had. You see, when, when we're con connected with the Lord, that kind of thing begins to happen. As we begin to distance from God, we begin to have less experiences like that. But God's pulling us into the place of kingdom experiences with the Holy Spirit. And in that, it makes church amazing. Now, I just want to just share with everyone, you don't wait for these things to happen and then decide, hey, hey I want to be a part of that. These things begin to take place because people want it and they're pressing into it before it seems like the experience is there. Do you see what I'm saying? Man, it's good to see my three, that could be a movie right there, my three daughters um, on a short couch. Um, anyway, so, so I believe God's going to do that, and we're going to see the move of God in this hour. Um, so 
The other thing we see that God's doing, and by the way, I do actually see repentance happening in this nation. I see more people hungry for God than I've seen in a very long time. I see there's an interest in God like we haven't seen. But personally, I just believe that God's just getting started. And I do believe it's been because of a shaking. But I believe there's much more of a shaking to come. Right? Amen? And I believe what's going to happen is it's going to cause more and more people to be serving the Lord. And I want you to understand something. When you're serving God, there is such a covering over your life. There's such a boldness in you. And you don't worry about what's going on in, in the world. There's something about letting go of things that gives us faith and radically entering into what God wants you to do. You know, we can try to say, oh, I'm going to serve God this way. Oh, I'm going to serve God this little nice way. But you know what? God's like, you really know what you ought to do. When you radically do that, watch what happens to your life. Watch what will begin to happen in your family if you'll radically enter in to what you know you ought to do. It's about you. Amen. Anyway, so God's bringing repentance. The other thing we saw is God is raising up Gideons and God's raising up an army of God. I believe that so fully. There's uh, God's raising up individuals and he's raising up a corporate army. At this moment in time, we don't see it with our eyes. We don't know that it's there with our eyes, but I will guarantee you God is working behind the scenes. God always has a plan. When it looks like darkness is advancing, when it looks like uh, God's not doing anything, too many people are, are going to go, well, that's just the way things ought to be. No, you don't understand scriptures. You don't understand the way God works. God allows Pharaoh to look like Pharaoh's getting stronger and stronger. He does it to trick Pharaoh, so to speak. Now, you might go, God doesn't need to do that. Y'all ever think about that? God, if you read the story there and in many other places, it says God did that to trick Pharaoh. Think about that. So what does he allow? But the Pharaoh who represents, I believe, Satan, he allows him to look like he's getting strong and he seems to be empowered, right? So it looks like darkness is increasing. And not only that, it looks like the people of God are wandering around, bumbling and, and Pharaoh sees that. And he goes, look, they're just going, they don't know what they're doing. They're, 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 they're weak. They're, they're all, you know, they're, there's no leadership. They don't know where they're going. And him watching that empowered him. And see, at the same time when he's feeling empowered, God's people are tempted to feel like we're nothing. We're strong. We're just wandering around out here. God has left both of them in the dark. He's left Pharaoh in the dark to make him make some big mistakes. He's left his people in the dark to call his, cause his people to have faith when they don't understand what's going on. And I would say that's exactly what's happening right now. God is allowing Pharaoh and the forces of darkness and the powers of hell to think they are so strong. They think they have so much power. And there's the church that seems so small, so not, doesn't look like anything's happening. But I just want to guarantee you this. God has a plan. And there are Gideons being raised up right now. 
and there's an army being raised up right now. You might not see it, but I just know because of the biblical pattern that that's what God is going to do. Amen? People go, oh, things are going to be horrible. Haven't you read about the end times? Even if you believe that there's going to be the, the, and I'm not saying, I'm not, my point isn't that I believe or I don't believe in it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, if you believe in the worst that could happen for three and a half years, it's three and a half years. It's not three and a half centuries. Are y'all with me? And then guess what happens? The whole thing, I mean, <laughs> comes down in an amazing way. And it's, it's going to, it doesn't end well for those that thought they had the power. Those that thought they were getting strong, it's just a setup. Yes, it's a long three and a half years, right? But we're not right there right now. Amen? God's getting ready to do something really big. And I want to be a part of it. One major theme in this story in Judges is glory. Glory. See, God's ready, raising up Gideon. God's raising up an army. And one of the main themes of this story we find in Judges 2 as the, excuse me, 7-2. And it says that as the um, army was put together, that God was getting ready to bring forth, the Lord says this to Gideon. The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. They were only 30,000 people. They were coming against a far greater power that they had been enslaved to. There are 30,000. Let's say 30,000 big, or you could just say 30,000 small. But they had 30,000. And God goes, they might be thinking, and I think they're thinking, hey, we're not too big. We got 30,000. Look, look at these Midianites. They, I mean, they're strong. They're mighty. They're not a fight. But God goes, you're too many. You're too many. Because uh, when, when you, if y'all win, you're going to go, we did it. We, we did it. You're going you're gonna to look to your strengths. You're going to say, oh, I was able. Oh, I was able to do this. this is, you start looking to yourself and you start getting big headed. And you'll think you did that when I'm the one who did the whole thing. Your role and what I want is just obedient people. You know what? I've heard ministers say this before, and it's so true. When God uses somebody, one of the main things they need to learn how to do is get out of the way. They're just vessels. They are vessels. Co-laborers with God. Even Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself, right? That's an amazing thing, isn't it? I can do nothing of myself. He had to depend on God. And how much more should we be like that, right? But anyway... God, so what's God doing here? He says, not 30,000, mm-mm. It's got to be a lot smaller than that. So right here, God is doing something. And I want you to think about this. God is choosing to use the small and insignificant so that it's going to be obvious that he did it. Do y'all see that? God's choosing to use something no man would say, oh, they did that. Look how amazing they are. He's choosing to bypass that and to find something, to use something small 
and insignificant, where it's going to be impossible for man to say, we did that. Look how strong, look how smart we are. Look how creative we are. Look how professional we are. Look how put together we are. Whatever it might be, God says, I'm going to use the people. They're not going to be able to say that. He does it that way. Um, Jonathan, if you remember, he said one time, he, it was one man and his armor bearer, and he sees this group of soldiers in front of him. And, you know, the armor, he and the armor bearer, you're looking at him, and the face comes on him, and he says, God's not restrained to save by many or by few. And he said that being one man. He was the only armed person. <laughs> like, wow, what a, what a level of faith. God's not restrained, but what does he need? He needs obedient people that will trust in him. He's going to have that. That's what he's going to do it through. He loves to work with people, but not people that have self-confidence, people that have God confidence. Amen? So I just want to encourage you. I fully believe in this hour, God is going to use the small, the simple, and the humble to do amazing things. He's going to use common, ordinary people to do uncommon, extraordinary things. Think about that. He loves to do it that way. You know, even in the New Testament, doesn't he say, oh, he doesn't call all these big this and that to do these great things. He uses the very simple people because that's where he gets glory. These other people are trusting themselves. They're trusting their ability. And they'll, they'll, we're prone to, to have pride. Right? You know what? Satan had pride. God made him, by the way, the way he was. Lucifer. Man, I bet Lucifer could sing. He carried his own instruments with him on the inside, too. I mean, I don't even know how all of that worked, but I'm just going, man, that was one amazing thing God made. But because he made him so amazing, he looked at himself. You ever think about that? Who tempted Satan to be Satan? He didn't have any, I mean, he, he went from good to bad just by thinking about how great he was. Anyway, God's getting ready to use the small, the simple, the humble. You don't have to be something great. You don't have to be the Mr. or Mrs. Amazing. God's going to use you. He loves you. Okay, third thing I just want to mention here, and I'm still in this introduction, but these simple people you'll see in the story did something very small. They did something very small. If you look at the end of the story, um, in this story, they're not out there with their swords. They're not, they go out there and, and all they did was blow a trumpet, break a, uh, break a pitcher, and hold up a torch and shout. That's it. Anybody can do that. Is that not true? Except it takes courage, you'll see, if we get to that point today. But it's not too complicated. It's something very small. And God has a way of turning small things that we do into something amazing for a breakthrough. That's why he's like, be faithful with the small. Amen? Be faithful with the small. Now, this is coming to my mind today. I know a lot of you are here 
online today and some of you are here. Um, you know, there's a great turning right now. God's getting ready to do something great. And all of you that are not afraid of COVID right now, you know, if you're in this area, I want to encourage you be in church. Get here if you can, by all means. And I want to encourage you. About what time does church start? Here, online, it starts at 10, okay? In my home, 9.30. We pray, we worship the Lord, we want to flow a little bit, but it takes the family to be here, amen? So I just want to encourage you, and those of you that are listening, be here if you can, and definitely be here by 10 o'clock online. Okay, um, so now... I just want to share today what I'd like to get into are some qualities that I believe that we're going to see in these sinful people that God's going to use. I want these qualities in me. I believe that we'll see that they're not only in this story, but almost in every story of who God's going to use. Um, but we'll use this story to, to learn a few things. First of all, I want to just touch on what we what I started with last week, which was perseverance. One thing you'll see in the people that God uses is perseverance. And this simply means they keep going. They don't give up. They get knocked down, but they keep getting back up. Um, you don't have to be somebody great to just get back up. Everybody gets knocked down. Sometimes I'll get knocked down and I feel like nobody else get, will get knocked down like I get knocked down. You ever feel like that? Yeah. Nobody ever gets hit like this. I mean, just for a second. Of course, you, you know better in your brain, Right. But then you get up and, and then after you get up, you go, you look back and you go, oh, that was nothing. What was I thinking? Right. See, the person who's serving the Lord and that's going to make it and is going to be used of God is going to have to persevere because you're formed during your perseverance. Your life is changed. Your character is changed. Your stature is changed and you become strong and mighty simply by just continuing to get back up just getting back up just getting back up makes you into somebody you could not otherwise have been and you walking that path is forming you and time is passing and God's working in you if you just keep getting up if you don't give up your perseverance is going to intersect with God's timing and you're going to be in the exact right place at the exact right time for what God has made you for. Amen? So I just want to encourage you. Maybe some of you are down or discouraged. You know, we can get knocked down in a major way and we can get knocked down what I would call in a minor way. I think sometimes the minor ways are more damaging because we don't really realize that we're knocked down. We're at a low level of discouragement. We're not praying like we ought to. We're not in the Word. We don't come to church. We're not, we're not excited about prayer or prayer meeting or worship. You know, we're just sort of like, we're, we're at, a, at a low. It takes energy. We have to raise ourselves back up in God. We have to say, no, I'm going to serve God with everything I got. Amen. Y'all just too excited this morning. We need to, we need to uh, have a waitress in here serving coffee. Um, but anyway, that's, that's what we have to do. And it's at the end of perseverance. There's something about perseverance that prepares you for where God's bringing you. 
Y'all remember the story we've talked about so much about Gideon? I mean, um, about David at Ziklag. You remember it was his worst day. All this bad stuff happened to him. And it says David and his men. These are the, like the most amazing men of the Old Testament. David and his men, what did they do? They cried all day till they had no more power in them. Can you imagine? You're so devastated, you cry until you don't even have more energy to be devastated anymore. It's like, I'm too tired to be worn out anymore. I, can't, I don't have one more inch of cry in me. Now, he was devastated, but at that point, he got up. And what did he do? He encouraged himself from the Lord. He persevered. He got knocked down. He got up. That was his worst trial. Do you realize that was the point where God says, you're ready now. Do you see what I'm saying? When he had persevered and he decided to get up after that greatest blow, God goes, you're ready. At the very moment God is raising up David is the very moment when what was in the way was being taken out of the place, which was King Saul. What an amazing story. And I just want to encourage you now. You rise up. You keep getting up. Don't give in. Don't give in to the devil. Don't give in to discouragement. Don't decide, oh, I'm just going to live this level of Christianity just a little this. Little. No, go all in with God, whatever it you have to do. Go all in. Be 100 percent. Second thing you're going to see in these people is humility and brokenness. Gideon had been through a really difficult time. We saw that last week. It was really hard. I've been in intense seven years. I wouldn't be surprised if Gideon had had trials and troubles beyond seven years. But we know there were seven years of it. And, um, you know, you, you might be in a situation where you're, you know, it just looks like you've been through one trial after the other. God, why aren't things better for me? Why don't I have a better job? God, why are my friends like this? Why does this happen to me? And why did I get treated like this? I mean, you're, you might have been through some pretty intense trials in life, but I want to encourage you in that because I can guarantee you that if you're staying connected with God, whatever you're going through, even if the devil brought it, God's going to use it for good. God's going to use it for good. And God will use it to bring humility and godly brokenness in life. A lot of people, they get stumped at that word brokenness when you use it as a good thing. You can have brokenness as a bad thing. Uh, and sometimes, even when the good's brokenness happening, <laughs> it feels like it's just bad stuff happening, honestly. But what's, what's good breaking? What's a good brokenness? A good brokenness is when you go through life and extremely difficult things happen. And what gets broken in you is your pride, your self-confidence, your, um, uh, you know, all, all this stuff about I'm going to make it happen. I can do it. All of that in so many different dimensions needs to get broken. And when that gets broken, what comes out of you is so amazing. Okay, I want to 
I, I didn't see this until this week. <laughs> I never thought of it this way. But you know the story about Gideon being in the wine press? Right? He's in the wine press threshing wheat because he doesn't want the Midianites to see him and they were going to steal what little wheat he could get in the wine press. So the wine press is like a place of, of stress and you're, not, you're working hard, not getting very much. But, I, but I just, it just hit me like, wow, Gideon's in the wine press. Gideon is in the wine press. Do y'all see that? He's the grape. He's in the wine press. He's being pressed, squeezed, broken, so that the fresh wine could come out of his life. And and I just want to say this is so true. The fresh wine, the beautiful wine, won't ever flow out of your life until you've been broken. And when you've been broken, the beautiful, life-giving, fresh wine begins to come out of your life to other people. It's an amazing thing. And I believe that's exactly what this story is saying. Gideon was in the wine press. He was the new wine that was being made. It was coming out of him. And I'd say a lot of us, if you're following the Lord, you've been in a wine press. God's breaking you. God's crushing you in a good way. And it might be really, really painful. Sometimes you might wonder, God, how am I, why am I going through what I'm going through? But I just want to, to say, what's happening to you is producing something beautiful. Maybe you don't see it, but God does. And I'll just say this too. We all ought to make a decision. God, I'm going to be humble. Right? I'm going to be humble. However, you're not going to finish the job that way. You have to go through things in life and respond rightly in those things to be humble. Do you see what I mean? So you might, let's just say you're, you're right here. And then, you know, when you first get married, one of the most difficult things, I don't know why. I, I, ask, I can ask the newlyweds here, you know, maybe I better not do that. But when you first get married, for some people, it's so difficult to say, I'm sorry for some people. I messed up. I'm... Somebody just said, that's just not newlyweds. That's everybody, right? But, but you see, it's, you can't just go, oh, Lord, humble me. So uh, no, what's going to humble you? You going and doing what you're supposed to do in that situation. When you do it, you humbled yourself and you have something in you after you did what you did that you didn't have before. Do y'all see that? So the Bible says humble yourself, but it doesn't just mean, oh God, I'm, I want to be humble. It means doing what has to be done and having a right attitude in whatever situation you're going through. You don't complain. You honor God. Man, I just... This came to my mind of a fellow. He was an amazing man of God in our church named Michael Palacios. And he was such a man of integrity and um, such an example. And he's the kind that could do anything that other people would have been embarrassed to do. So, for example, if the toilet 
were to overflow and whatever's in the toilet overflow. This guy would be down there, the first one cleaning everything up and not embarrassed about doing that in front of everybody else. Do y'all know a lot of people would not want to do that because they'd go, oh, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to be cleaning that up. That's a low job. That's a low minuscule, you know, embarrassing kind of thing. But God looks at that and God goes, look what that man did. Do you not see his stature that he has? He's free from worrying about what other people think about him. And, and you could just watch him and you just, I just watch him sometimes and go, that's excellence. And look at the character that's and the stature that's in that man. That's a real man right there. <laughs> I just love to see that. But do y'all see how when he humbled himself, he got freed from something and his stature was so high. It's not like, oh, I'm above that. Oh, no, let, let a peon do that. No, no. He's a great man of God. What an excellent man he was. And boom, he's the first one there. I heard people used to say this a long time when I was young in the Lord. I remember hearing a lot of preachers say, you know how you get trained in ministry? Yeah, you start cleaning the toilets at the church. <laughs> they say, That's the, one of the best ways to be trained. And there's some truth in what's, trying, what's being conveyed in that. You want to be used of God? Humble yourself. God exalts the humble, but he abases the pride. He brings them down low. Anyway, you're going to see people in this hour that God's going to use that are humble, that have been broken. It's not all about them. And there's some sweet wine that comes out of their life to other people. Amen? God just does that. And these are going to be people that, that they don't think they can do it on their own. Moses was another good example of that. Moses, you remember, he thought he could do everything on his own. And, you're, and he was called to be the deliverer. I'm going to make this happen. He goes out and starts it on his own. Guess what he does? How, how far does he go? He kills one Egyptian soldier. Now, I don't even want to say whether it was right or wrong to kill the Egyptian at that time. I, I believe it was wrong, but that's not my point. Um, here, here Moses is. <laughs> he's got this. He's going to deliver Israel. He's the deliverer. What does he do? He does it in his power. How many people today have a call and an inspiration, but they've not been broken yet? Right? So they're going to go do it in their power, and it's not going to happen. Later, what happens? God goes to Moses. He says, after 40 years of being broken in the wilderness, Moses, now it's time. And guess what Moses goes and says? Who, me? Oh, no. <laughs> Who am I, he says. Okay. So, all right. He look, if you look at Gideon at this point, he's just like Moses. He's going, who am I? Why, why did he say, I'm small? I'm small. I believe he was feeling the same thing Moses was feeling after being in the wilderness for 40 years. Again, Moses thinks he can do it. Then he goes in the wilderness. Then God comes to him and goes, who am I? You see what God's dealing did with him? And then, you, and then God goes to Gideon. And Gideon sees himself as small. L listen to this. God says, I'm going to send you. And he goes, oh, my Lord. 
How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And then the Lord said, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites. I think that's so neat. Now, you just see what's happening there? He's going, he's going, who am I? He feels small. And that is so key. Um, you know, what God does, God doesn't correct him and go, oh, no, 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 you're not small. You see, God worked that in his heart. What does God tell him? He says, okay, good. That's where I need you right there. And then God, God says, I'm going to do it. You're small. That's good. Because I'm going to be the one doing the thing. Amen? Amen? You see there? God had him where he needed him. You're small. Now you need to take your eyes off of you. I needed that. But now you need to look to me. And you need to quit focusing on I'm small. That's true. That's good. Always remember that. But now the greater focus is but through Christ, through God, now I can do all things. Amen? There is nothing I can't do. Now, those people that have allowed the breaking of God, of pride, of self-confidence, of, oh, I'm so able, those individuals may feel very broken and devastated at times. But they are the very ones God will use to raise up because they're the ones that can understand what it means to have faith. God says, okay, now that you don't trust in yourself, you can really trust in me. You know, as long as you're trusting in yourself, as long as you have confidence in your ability of making it happen, you can't have so much confidence in God. You just can't do it. Now, self-confidence, there's a part that you can say it sort of works, okay? And I'm not saying that you pretend you don't have any abilities. I'm just saying that needs to be almost like it's nothing to you because God doesn't even have to use that if he doesn't want to. Many years ago, it was about, I don't know, 35 years ago or something. It was after I'd been married. So it had been less than 35 years. Not much. <laughs> but there was this prophet that came to church. And um, he didn't know me. But he called me up to the front. And he said something like this. He says, um, you've got this gift and you've got that gift. You've got this talent and you can do this and you can do that. I don't know what I was feeling at that moment. I might have been feeling, <laughs> yes, I do, don't I? No, I, I don't know that I was feeling that. But he said, he said, you have this, you got that, you can do this. And then, and then he sort of says sort of boldly, but God doesn't need that. It's sort of, and then he says, what God's going to do is break you. That's in essence what he said. He said, you're going to go through some hard times. God's going to do some breaking. And then he said, and then after the breaking is done, then watch what God does. I tell you, that's the story for every single one of us. Amen? Are y'all with me?
Praise God. Next thing I want to mention here is uh, these are people that are going to be hearing from God. So the people in this upcoming move, they're going to be people that don't give up. They're going to be people that have humbled themselves. They've gone through situations. They've allowed themselves to be broken before God, even though it was painful getting that flesh broken. And these are people that talk with God. They commune with God. You see here, he's in this story, if you remember from last week. He's here talking with, with the angel of the Lord, which is actually the Lord. And, um, you know, he's, he's talking here, and it's so funny. Um, he doesn't recognize it's the Lord at first. Um, so he's talking to this person who is like a man. And he says, um, uh, didn't the Lord bring us up? He's talking back to the, to the Lord, thinking he's a man. But now the Lord's forsaken us. Then the Lord turned to him and said, okay, this is interesting. I, y'all need to read this today. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you now, you can read it later. So it says he calls this man Lord in verse 13. Oh, my Lord. So he's being respectful. That word Lord is what they would call another person that they're respecting. So somehow the man commanded respect. But this is a term used for a man. And so he's talking, he's talking with Gideon. It's the Lord talking to Gideon, but he doesn't know it. Right? And then the Lord turns to him and says, Go in this might of yours, and you're going to save, etc., etc. Then he says to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? It's really funny there. Of course, if you look in your Bible, the first time it says Lord, it's not capitalized. Second time you say Lord here, it is capitalized. But they are, they're two different ways of saying Lord. The first way that word is used toward a man, that second word, Lord, is used toward God. <laughs> and I think this is so funny. Gideon's in this conversation with the Lord, not realizing that it's the Lord. And God's speaking to him. And then it says, God turns to him and says something directly to him. Now, I don't know how God said what he said, but somehow he says it to Gideon, and then Gideon goes from using the term Lord that you would for man to Lord that you would for God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm going, wow, that, that's so powerful. Something in the way God or Jesus communicated just jarred him and hit him to the core of his being. He doesn't know what's going on here. And he calls him Lord, and then he begins to go, wait. I mean, he calls him God, so to speak. And then he's going, wait a minute. Is this God? <laughs> and then he, has to, he begins to ask that question. Is this God? And it came because of the word and how it was spoken to him. It's been spoken of and, and taught about how Peter was on the water and they're like and he he sees Jesus way off and he goes, If that's you, tell me to come on the water. And it's and people have said, Well, he knew there's something in the way Jesus would say, Come out on this water that would register on the inside of him, and he go, If you tell me to come on the water, I'm gonna be able to do it. <laughs> you you see? He knew if Jesus would give him that command, come on the water, come on out, 
that it would register on the inside of them. Speak it, God. I want to come on the water. Just say it. It'll happen. Somehow, Jesus gives a command to Gideon, and it jars them on the inside, and all of a sudden, he realizes, oh, this is no man, Lord. This is something else. I just called him God. But is this really God? And you see, this is a highlight of what I think is getting ready to happen. You see, people have been communing with God. They've been spending time with God, and they don't even know some of the thoughts and ideas they've had coming to them are God. But as the time gets closer for God to do what God wants to do, what seem to be thoughts and ideas, God begins to speak more emphatically. And so what was the concept and idea? Now God begins to put an exclamation point to it. And it begins to hit you deep on the inside. And you begin to go, wow, this is God. Is this God? I think this is God. Oh, wow. I believe this is God the whole time. Amen. You see, because what God is going to do is he's going to begin to speak and inspire people more emphatically in what he has called them to do. Amen. I've had certain dreams in my life and I'd wake up and I'd go, wow, was that God? I think God's telling me to do this, but I can't do that. That's not me. I don't even know anything about that. And then I'd have another dream or some other kind of, and then, and then lately these thoughts come into my mind and I'm just going, wow. And I've had, like I had a prophetic experience the other day and I'm thinking, wow, this just seems crazy, but it just seems like God's beginning to congeal things because for me, and I believe for many here with me, God's going to go from one season to the next that he's had in mind the whole time. Isn't that crazy? But what we have to be willing to do is to go from inspiration to stepping out. And that's the next step. So what happens to Gideon? He got inspiration. He's thinking about it. But then, if you read the story, which we got into last week, but you read the story, what's happening? He gets inspiration. He realizes it's God. And just as soon as that happens... What does God do? He says, that very night, he says, now start stepping out. You're going to start right here. <laughs> and he has, him, he has him step out in that thing that he, that he had solidified was, was him. Now, you can't be delivered from your wilderness season without going into your next season. Do y'all understand that? Look back at the people in the wilderness. They can't come out of the wilderness unless they're willing to go into the promised land. Does that make sense? As long as you're not willing to go into your next, you're going to have to stay in your wilderness. And when you want to go to your next, what is your next thing? It's going to be a place where you're going to have to use everything you've learned in your past wilderness season. 
your trials, your difficulties, your faith that you developed, your communion with God, you're going to have to use all of that in a different way now because now you're going to be fruitful. Praise the Lord for that. But now you're going to have a different level devil. You're going to have giants in the land because God has been preparing you so that in your promised land, in your place of fruitfulness, you're going to, you're going to be used of God to displace the demonic, to bring deliverance. It's, it's over and over the case in the Bible. I've always used this example. The people came out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. God's training them in the wilderness. They go to the promised land to do what? To kick out the enemy, to kick out darkness, and to expand the kingdom. What's Gideon been going through? Trials, difficulties, hardships. God's been teaching him. He's been growing. He's been in the wine press of life. He's been squeezed. It's been painful. It's been hard. But he kept getting up. He kept getting up. And I love that God says, go in this might of yours. And Gideon's like, what might? See, most people don't even realize they're getting strong because they feel so weak. But when you feel weak, God goes, no, you're trusting in me. You feel weak, but I see you strong. Anyway, he's been through all of this. What's God telling him now? Gideon, there's a new season for you. It's not just being free from your past. You've got to embrace this new thing to go into your new season. So many people just want, oh, I just want life to be better. I want that too. But then God goes, part and parcel of that is you stepping in to the next thing you're supposed to be doing, your next level of commitment, your next level of joining the army, your next level of engagement, not being uh, holding... You know, when people are in the wilderness, people are sitting back, not engaged, not involved. You can't do that in the promised land. Everybody's got to join together. We've all got to fight together. We've all got to pray together. We've got to believe together. We've got to use our God-given authority in prayer and in our words and everything that the Word of God's told us to do. We have to come and use every tool, every weapon, every, everything that God's given us, we've got to use together. And I would just say, guys, this isn't the time to be to be sitting on the sidelines. Get here. Get here at 930 or actually 915. Let's begin to pray, press in. Let's make stuff happen. Amen. I believe that this is the time when God's going to rally us together again. But it's going to be so different in how everything's going to look. But everybody needs to get on board. Okay, so... Anyway, getting back to where I was, we have to really step out. Now, when you step out, generally, I believe most people feel a whole lot of fear. I don't think most people step out of their wilderness into the next thing without some kind of, you know, trepidation or fear or something like, oh, no, I don't I don't know. Anyway, let me read this right here, what Gideon went through. The same night, this is the same night that the Lord had just revealed himself to him. He says, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. There's a story in that right there, too, by the way. I just wanted you to think about that. You need to tear down the strongholds in your life by faith that are there from where you came. Anyway, he, he says, Take your the, that bull, cut down the image that's beside it, build an altar to God where that altar was, and uh, etc. etc. 
And then it says, So Gideon took ten men from his servants and did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Now, I don't know exactly how this fear was, but I do believe that Gideon was at a point here. I don't think this was an easy thing to do. I think he had to face his fears and he had to go forward. Moses, God says, I'm going to use you now. At that moment, he's full of fear. He goes, no, Lord, use somebody else. That's our natural reaction when God calls us out of the wilderness into something. And I just want to say, are you ready for whatever big thing might be? Or would you rather sit in your wilderness? Are you ready to fight, to step out in faith? Because when you step out, if God doesn't come through for you, you are going to be toast. That's an amazing thing. When God calls you out of the wilderness, he calls you into the promised land. He's calling you to some place where if you don't have God with you and you don't have miracles, you don't have the supernatural, it won't work. It won't work. But, but that's a good place. God's prepared you for it. You're ready. Amen. And there are going to be others beside you pulling you forward. You remember that 30,000? God calls him and he goes, 30,000, way too many. Way too many. Y'all going to say, hey, look what we did. We're just 30,000 and we killed these, you know, all these big group. He says, no, no, no. You're going to think you did it because you're amazing. No. He says, whoever's fearful, this is what he says, Judges 7, 3, out of to those 30,000. Whoever's fearful, let that one go back. 8,000 stayed 22,000 left. 22,000 people left the army out of the 30. Now, you might go, if you were in that army, would you go, man, I am so glad God let me off the hook. And I am so glad somebody else has courage. <laughs> man, and you're walking home with your buddies. Can you believe that? I thought that God was going to have us do that. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't have to do that. Let me just tell you this. You know the 8,000 that stayed? They had fears too. But when God said, when you have fears, if you've got fear, you can go home. They said, no, we're going to rise above our fears and we're going to be a part of the army. The reason the 8,000 stayed wasn't because they just didn't have fear. It's because they made a decision to not give in to it. God says, if you have fear, go home. And these are the ones that said, we're not going home. We have fear. We, we thank you that you've given us the opportunity, but we're going to rise up over our fears and we're going to go forward. And I will tell you today, the greatest challenge to you going into this next season is your fear of your next season. Fear of what might happen. Fear of the unknown. Fear of God maybe not coming through. Fear of you not knowing everything you ought to do. Am I going to do it right? God, don't be afraid. God's able to lead you even when you don't even know He's leading you. Right? What God's looking to is a heart that will say, I will not fear. Now, I've thought about this and I thought, I wonder where people were when God said, if you're afraid. There was probably some people, they left like that. There are probably some other people going, scratching their head a moment, and then they're watching some of their friends go, and then they go. You know, like, oh. 
And then, and then after a good group goes, then there's another section of people that start going. They all start, and then it looks like the thing to do. Hey, that guy beat me up in school last year. He's bad, and look, he's leaving. I'm crazy. I ought not to be here. What am I doing? So I think, it, I think more and more people left. It, it just seemed like the right thing to do, <laughs> right? But for those 8,000 that stayed, think of the pressure on them to go. And they had to go, am I doing right? No, I'm just going to believe God. I don't care. Let them go. Let them go. I'm just going to keep believing God. They had to rise up even though they were the minority and they looked crazy and say, I'm going to keep serving God if nobody else does. I'll fight if I end up being like Jonathan and I'm the only one left. I'm not going to budge. I'm going to rise above my fears. Let them kill me if that's what happens. But I'm going to keep serving God. I think those 8,000 men, look, look what God's doing in these men. He's purifying them. It wasn't just about letting the 22,000 go home. It's not like, oh, we're giving you guys a break. They stopped growing right there. Or, do y'all see that? It wasn't about them. It's about the 8,000. They grew a lot when God said, if you're fearful, you can go home. And they watched the others go home and they go, no, we're staying. You see, that opportunity to, okay, you can go and, and if you want to, it's okay with God. That opportunity to be less and them choosing of their own will to go forward, that did something amazing in them. Do y'all see that? You see, you can choose. You say, oh, will I still be saved? Will I still be saved if I don't go to church? Will I still be saved? Yes, I mean, that's not the point. Do you want to grow? Go to the next level and say, God, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in faith. I'm going to be strong. I'm not following the crowd. I don't care what everybody else does. If it's just me and God, I'm going to be strong. Because God will make me strong. Amen? And then we see he goes on from there. And what happens next? He goes from, from 8,000 to how many? Three. 300. Wow. My, my. How, and what does he do to do this? These men are in the, they're in the battle. They, I mean, before the battle, all these, these 8,000 or 8,000 left, right? Okay, they go to the water. And they're so thirsty. Some of them just dunk their heads in the water. They're just sucking up that water. You know, or they're, or they're putting their mouth down to the water, just drinking. Oh, I'm so thirsty. They, they just plunge into it. Other ones, they're thirsty too. But it says the other ones went up like this. And they're looking. They, they go to the water. I'll stand like this so I won't hide in the camera. So they bend down probably on one knee. And they're, it says they're bringing the water up like this. Why are they doing that? I believe what they're doing is they're looking around. We're coming into enemy territory. We need to be careful. We need to be looking around. I'm not going to just jump into the water. I'm super thirsty too. And it's a lot slower getting the water this way than it is that way. I could have gotten the water so much faster that way. But I'm going to do it this way. Why? Because this way 
more careful. What is this showing us? The 8,000 are amazing. But what separates the 300 from the rest of them? They're prudent. They're alert. They're watchful. They realize they're in enemy territory. And I believe God's showing us something for today. Peter says, be watchful, be careful. And this is all throughout the New Testament. You have an adversary looking for any weakness you might have so he can pick you off. People that God's going to use are going and use in a great way and really put out there are going to be trusting, broken, all these things we've been sharing, and they're going to be watchful. They're not going to be where they ought not to be. They're going to be prudent. Mm, I shouldn't be there. Mm, I shouldn't. They're going to watch their attitudes. Wait a second. He's trying to bring bitterness my way. Uh uh-uh. They're going to be prayerful before God. They're going to be bringing their hearts and their minds. They're not going to be lazy or they're not going to just do life how they want to do. Everything's going to be watchful and prayerful. You'll be saved without being watchful and prayerful. But I can tell you what, you can so easily be picked off and hurt and brought down and have a lot of troubles. God says, these ones I want to use, they're going to be, yes, fearless. But beyond fearless, they're going to be very prudent, prayerful, thinking, concerned, watching what's going on. God's looking for that. Last thing I'll mention here really quickly. If you see what ends up getting done at the end of this story, how they win, he's got 300 men. It looks like, it looks like 300 regiments the way God did it. Because he had each man carry a trumpet. Let's see, I forget what he did. You, y'all can read it probably there. But in one hand, I think, I think the left hand was the trumpet. And the right hand was the flask. And the pitcher that had a um, torch in it of fire. And so these 300 men are all carrying a trumpet. They're all carrying a flask. They've got the torch inside the flask. And they're supposed to all walk together, get around this the, where the Midianites are. And at one time, they're going, to be, now they're going to be spaced out, right? And at one time, they're all going to do this. They're going to break the pitcher, shine the light, blow the trumpet, yell um, something like, uh, for Gideon, uh, excuse me, for the Lord God uh, and of Gideon, something like that. So think about this. I, I was just imagining these guys going, wait a second, I got to juggle all that. I got to carry a trumpet. I got to carry this thing. I got to have the torch in it. And, and, and then I'm going to have to set the trumpet down, break the thing, hold that up, grab the trumpet, and, and hold, hold the light, and then start blowing the trumpet. And then I'm going to have to blow the trumpet, go, you know, blow it, and then go, for the Gideon, for, for the Lord, and for Gideon. For the Lord, you know what I'm saying? While, you're, while I'm holding the trumpet. I bet these guys are, you know, some of them, today, what would we go? I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. Or, I'm not going to do that. You could have had 600 men, and you could have at least had some people carry the torches while other people carry the trumpets. You could have some people shouting, some people blowing the trumpet, and then some other people doing Why did? Why not 900 people? That way, everybody could have had one thing to do. No, he gives them all this, all this to do, and you have to juggle it. I just think that's the funniest thing, and that's all they had to do. It's real simple, 
But at the same time, it's a lot of work. And I would say this too, which comes into what we were talking about earlier. In this thing that God's getting ready to do, he's going to use a few people to do a lot of things. They might have to juggle things, but he's going to use a few to do a lot of things, and they're not going to be complaining. They're not going to say, why aren't there more people with us? Why aren't there others here? They're going to say, you know what? This is what God's called us to do. If we'll all do our part, watch what God himself is going to do. And they all did that. They're there going, this is the craziest thing ever, but God said to do it. And he said, if we'd be faithful, something would happen. They break the pitcher. They, they hold up the, <laughs> the torches. They, they, they get down, grab their trumpet, blow, blow it, and then shout, and then blow it, and then shout, and then blow it. And, and the Midianites are watching, and they see this going on. All of a sudden, they see lights all around them. And usually where an army would have one light, and, and each group has people behind them, you only had one light with no people behind them. But they looked like they were huge, because it looked like there were 300 regiments in the army. <laughs> so what the Midianites do? They ended up destroying themselves. It's amazing. You see, God out-strategizes the enemy. Think what he did. Look, look what Moses did out of his own strength. He killed one Egyptian. Moses had to think back later on that Red Sea day when they, he looks back and he's just scratching his head. It says they saw Egyptians all up on the seashore that had drowned a whole army. And you just have to go, how in the world did God just do that? I did one man. Here it is. God took us through a stressful time. We were all screaming and crying, didn't want to do it, but we finally did what God said. We went through that. And, and look what happened. The wisdom of God is more powerful than any plans of the devil or any wisdom of man. Amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you today. Connect with God. Connect with what God's doing. Um, it's, the, it's the day, like Gideon. There's a lot of th different things going on. I want to encourage you, if you need to repent, if you need to give your life to the Lord, maybe that's where you are today. You've not served the Lord yet. You've not given your life over to the Lord. That's the first way God's already been dealing with you. Give your life to God. Secondly, maybe you've been serving the Lord a long time and God's saying, I'm pulling you now into something new. I'm pulling you now into dedication and commitment. I'm pulling you into a place. If you'll be like Gideon, if you'll go forward and don't throw in the towel, but if you'll go forward, I'll use you in a mighty way. If you want to be used, some people don't. They'd rather be like the 22,000 that walked away and said, look, I'd rather just have a comfortable life. Personally, I'd rather go forward and make the most of my life. You only have one. Live it for God with all you got. Amen. Now, God, we thank you for this hour. Thank you, Lord, for drawing us into new things. We thank you, Father, that this is the hour of power. And I just see it like a bridge season. It's still that bridge season. But, Lord, there are many. Some have just decided, hey, I think we're going to stay over here. But you've got many there that are crossing over to that new thing you're going to be doing. And we thank you, Lord God. We're going to see the deliverance of God. We're going to see oh, an amazing move of God in this earth. And the small and the insignificant are going to do some amazingly great things for God. In Jesus' name, amen.